Welcome to This Old App, a podcast about learning, coding, smashing stuff together, breaking things apart, startups, failing, winning, and any other buzzwords we can think of. Hey, Randy. Um, hey. So for, for the past couple weeks, I've been play, diving into uh, to Pat Microsoft's Power Apps. Um, and and the, the very specific, I'll explain what Power Apps are in a moment. The very specific use case I have is right now from all our technicians, we receive paper timesheets. So what ended up happening was I spent pretty much the month of October going through July and August timesheets and and all our work orders that were invoiced in that time and matching them all up and figuring out where we were profitable, where we weren't. Um, And were there repeating mistakes that made us not profitable? Um, and it, it exposed something to me that I hadn't been aware of that we were missing. And that is when we've got these paper timesheets, if you've got a work order that, that there was worked on over multiple weeks instead of it just in one shot, mm-hmm. it's very easy to miss one of those times. So therefore, you're not billing the customer for as much time as you were actually on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened a couple times. So, uh, that really started to bug me as I was doing it in, the, in, in, you know, by hand. So I was starting to try and figure out a way to, to make that better. Um, and, and hand entering it into an Excel spreadsheet would have worked to some degree, but I'd been fooling around with the Microsoft tools. So I came across power apps and, and built something there. So power apps is essentially a platform that that gives you a very nice GUI, gives you a very nice user interface to drop things on a page um, that are already tied to data. Um, So what I did is I built a very small little table um, that just said timesheets and on it were, you know, name, work order number, hours, date, maybe a few other things, but those are the most important things. So I built that, built that data table real quick. That took me 15 minutes. And then I went into power apps and I said, okay, give me a form and and what, uh, give me an app based on this data. And it goes into the background and what it does is it generates a CRUD app for you. It it generates Mm -hmm. three screens, you know, Uh, uh, a entry screen, which allows you to browse everything you got. So your, your R of the CRUD, um, you can, you can hit any one of those single entries and get detail on that single entry. And then you can also edit that entry or add a new one. Um, and just boom, I, I gave it data. It generated a, an, an app for me. And so I spent last week entering all the work orders we have for the past two months. Um, and now whenever we're doing invoicing, um, somebody can go in, just type in a work order number, and now they'll see all the uh, time entries for that work order. Um, and, and the idea behind Power Apps is, is the, the concept of the uh, citizen developer. And the, the citizen developer are, are, for the most part, are those employees who, who have some technical skill, but they don't have a developer role. Or they're developers who don't want to, you know, dive into building everything out. They just want something they can slap together pretty quick. Um, 
So that's what that, that's what I was able to do here with Power Apps is build a, you know, a very single purpose application um, within probably three hours of my time. Um, and it, it works across all platforms because, it, 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 you know, all, all, you know it's, it's mobile, it's on computer, it's anywhere I want to be because that's the way they built the platform. Did you already um, say who, where, the, what this is? Like in the sense of, like, I don't know what a power app is. Like I know you just yeah. described it, but where yeah. would I, if I were to, if I were to go and other than Googling it, where would I go to see? Yeah, website? you could go straight to powerapps.microsoft.com. Okay. And, and that would, and really this is their whole power platform. So it's power apps and then it's flow which is, and I think today they just renamed Flow, but let me, uh, let me tell you what Flow is and then we'll figure out what the new name for it is. Um, it's essentially a Zapier or a, or a If This Then That, yeah. um, where you just give it a bunch of commands. You say, okay, if, uh, we, I've got one running right now. If a file ends up being put into this specific directory, move it into this other directory. Okay. So again, automation without a lot of code, you're just able to, you know, pull pieces out to, to stick things together. So that Microsoft flow is the, is the second part of the power apps platform. And I'm going to type very loudly here. Um, Microsoft dynamics is kind of your, business intelligence heavy part of the power platform. Um, and that's, that's when you really want to get into your business intelligence stuff as well. Um, but it's essentially a way that, that you can put stuff together to without, without having to actually go out and develop it. Um, you, you can automate your, 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 your work without having to go get a developer to do it for you. That's the whole concept behind what they're trying to do. And yes, yeah. they've, they've renamed flow to power automate. So that that's, that's actually very straightforward as to what they're aiming for there. Well, flow is already a term that they use for strongly typed JavaScript. Like that, yeah. there's a library. So I'm guessing there was a conflict with that. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, I mean, I feel like Microsoft has done this before, probably less effectively, but wasn't VS Code, not VS Code, uh, Visual Studio, like build interfaces with with GUI, build data connections with the GUI. I mean, I used to, when I was working with ASP.NET, you used GUI interfaces to build tons of stuff, like. I didn't learn how to code with a text editor until 10 years into my career or something. So sure. And, and, and I think this is, it's certainly just the next generation of that. Yeah. Um, you could even go as far as say, this is the next generation of, you know, scripts in Excel um, that, that, that people would write There there are, there are Excel script wizards out there. And, and, and I mean, wizards as in the people who just know it can do anything with an Excel script. Um, you know, VBA scripts. So this is this is that next iteration, and they're trying to make it as code as code less as yeah. possible. 
Um, and I will say with, with the one tool I built, I'm trying to think the most complex piece of code I had in it was on the display screen, there's a search bar. And I just had to go in and, and, and you know, move some data items around because it was looking for, um, it was saying, I'll search, I'll search the work order number, I'll search the name, and I'll search the ID number. So I just had to go in there and say, yeah, I don't really want the ID number, so I delete that off. And, you know, it, it very, I'm not coding at that point. I'm just, you know, modifying a single task there. So I mean, um, in terms of the obvious, when you first start talking about all this, the obvious thing I would start doing is heckling you for doing this yourself, because that's just what I do um, on our <laughs> on both of our podcast. But this is by this is definitely something I would I'm I'm cool with putting in the hands of a manager. You have the closest business knowledge, and if you're not like to me, coding, hand coding something is where you get the time suck that takes away from management duties. Right. Including the testing, the debugging. Like this, granted it works as well as the pictures show, which is always <laughs> dubious in the Microsoft world, but right. lately they are delivering. Like this is the type of thing where it makes more, much more sense for someone with business knowledge to be putting these types of apps together. If at the very least you're building a prototype that you can, if you're like, okay, we need to ramp this up and we're hitting the limits of what this can do. You have a prototype to show the developer that you would bring in. So this is exactly the type of thing that I think is, you know, like thumbs up for a manager to be building um, or at least a small business uh, CTO yeah. type of thing. Yeah, and, and the the thing I liked about it is that there were decisions to be made up front, and and this is where this is where a, a citizen developer, so to speak, wouldn't necessarily know what what decision to make. Yeah. Um, but that's okay too, and that was where does the data reside? Um, because there were multiple options. The, the, the one best suited for the citizen developer was you can pull it in off an Excel spreadsheet. You upload the Excel spreadsheet. It takes all your columns. It says, here's your fields and go. Yeah. So that's even okay, right? Because all we're trying to do is enable people quickly to be able to, to, mod, to, to work with the data they have. Um, and so that that's the decision to make. It was Excel spreadsheet. It was a SharePoint list, which I could go on for a while about what SharePoint is and what a list is. But think of it as a, as a kind of data table mm-hmm. with lots of restrictions. Um, and that's a that's where I was headed at first because I'd already built a SharePoint list similar to what I was looking at. But then the third option was something they called the uh, common data service, which is just their database. And it, it's essentially in, in a, in, on a web page, I sat there and said, okay, I need a name field and, and it's going to be text. And I said, okay, save that. And then I went on and said, I need a work order number and that's going to be text. And it was just building a table, just using a, a web page. Didn't need anything complex, but there were, 
there were ways to um, to pull the technician name from another table. So I spent a few minutes doing that as well. So there's even relational database in there. And again, I wouldn't necessarily expect uh, a non-developer to do that, but because I was able to do that and because I've decided to put all the data in this common data service, I don't feel that it's that I've, I've stuck myself into a monopolized position because now let's say that all this data I'm gathering and this whole thing works brilliantly, but I need something better. I need something more robust. I can pull that data out, put it in a, in a, you know, Postgres server and move forward because it's just a relational database. So, um, I think this is absolutely where you start. And this is having been in a couple large companies and having worked for IBM that, that helped a, a few large companies. This is where that term shadow IT comes in, mm-hmm. um, where sometimes you'll have, you know, your general IT department. And then this particular department, it doesn't think their stuff is getting worked on fast enough. So, they go out and they hire a freelancer or they got their guys to do it on their own, whatever it is. And then you've got this whole application built by this one department that main IT knows nothing about, which is a bad scenario to be in. Um, but I think if ID departments embrace this, um, this is a way to manage it as well. Cause it's all within the work account. It, it's, it's easily something that an IT department can manage. Do you, so let's take a person in your role. Like you're, when you say you're not getting yourself in a monopoly type of scenario or proprietary mm-hmm. lock in kind of thing. Yeah. I know you won't be, I'm not worried. I wouldn't worry about you with your level of technical expertise and experience, but what about the, the typical business owner that would be doing this well let's let let's go back to the the simplest example which is i said you work out of excel spreadsheets yeah if if that's the way you're doing it if that's where you're saving your data you're not in a you're not really in a monopolized position there either because it's just saving it to the spreadsheet so Uh you're at least in no worse shape than you were before yeah you've just got a tool that can update that spreadsheet faster and and maybe automate some things that you couldn't automate otherwise so I, I think as long as you stay away from the SharePoint p- side as of the data, you're, you're fine as far as not being monopolized. Now, when I worked for Blue Shield of California, they would have said, yeah, just stick it in SharePoint, make it a SharePoint list and move on because they were, they were whole hog on Microsoft. Yeah. So that was a fine, they were fine with being in a monopolized position at that point. They, they, they had no intention of looking elsewhere um so that's that and and i know there were some applications and some reports i was trying to build uh four years ago at blue shield of california that i had to build in sharepoint using javascript that if i'd had power apps at the time this version of power apps at that time i could have done it in a tenth of the time that it took me to build the javascript Yep. So tell me what sucks about this tool. 
I don't know them deep enough yet to know. <laughs> um, it, it, it's because it is gooey, because it is doing a lot of things for you. Um, I'm, I'm no, I'm going to hit that point where I want it to do a certain thing. And it's going to be like, Oh yeah, well you can't do that. <laughs> um, as far as, you know, wanting to manipulate data a certain way. Um, but, uh, again, I'm not real sure I'm going to hit an absolute showstopper because anything that happens, I can move over to flow or I guess power automate now. And, work with it there. And in there is, is the option to use JavaScript to manipulate data. So I know I've got that possibility. It's just one more step. Um, When you're working within power apps, it's very much control driven. So a developer that's used uh, a JavaScript developer or a uh, really any regular language developer is going, it's a mind shift. Um, anything that you're doing has to do with the control you're working with or with the form you're working with or with the display elements you're working with. It's not a piece of code you go find uh, or you go to work on. It's I got to find the control that's generating that result and then work with just within that control. And I I have an expectation that's where I'll get a little frustrated at times. A horribly ugly thought came into my head just now, but I'm going to say it anyway. I want you to prove the utility of this by building an XFL fantasy league manager using power apps. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> that's actually that's actually very easy. No, hell no. That is not there's not there's nothing easy about it. So 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 you're talking about a whole league management system? Hell yeah. This is do I have to, multi- to- do, do, do I have to do I have to deal with multiple leagues or just a single league? Just a single one for starters. For starters, <laughs> see if you went to multiple leagues, I could see that being a bigger problem. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, multi- in the sense of demand, <laughs> or in the sense? <laughs> <laughs> well, considering it, you're the only person I know of who's going to play in an XFL fantasy. Yeah, football. well, the why came. I don't know why it came into my brain. It, in the it came into my brain because it really, if you'd asked. 15 years ago, if this thing had been available, I would have built the, I would have built a league in this thing, this type of thing first. Yeah, and I think you can. I think you can. Yeah. The live scoring would be the hardest part, which I don't think a, that would work. Live scoring, I, live scoring sure would work simply through flow. You'd do it through flow, right? Flow would be looking for what would, you'd say every five minutes, go hit this API bring the updates in and then send it to the database. It wouldn't be as, as robust as what you have on CBS or fan tracks or ESPN or anything like that, but you certainly can build a workable league manager in this. Yeah. Well, I mean, the over getting away from projects of zero value, which is what I just brought up. The, the true, I, like, it, I strongly believe that we went from an era where, like, let's say an accountant person could do their job just with a paper spreadsheet. Like, yeah. they had a humongous table 
They had little, like they were writing small numbers on a ledger kind of thing. And then you fast forward to now, and I mean, you pretty much need to know how to do macros and Excel um, to be a good accountant. And so that involves knowing how to program to some extent. And I hear a lot about how is the workforce, the if we keep on automating jobs and we take away jobs from the blue collar sector, what are people going to need to do instead? And I don't think that the whole world can code. Like we pull up a text file and write JavaScript and bash files and Ruby and all that. I think it's this, I think this being able to take a business information flow and build an app with this type of tool is truly the middle ground where the workforce is going to need to figure out how to map itself to the new way of doing things. And yeah, I, I do too. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about, it, cause I think it, this isn't, this isn't going to kill software development. Oh no. This no. is, this is, this is getting those little, those little projects out of the way, those little things that'll make people's lives a little easier. But I tell you what, I'm, I, I've got a couple more things I want to add to this, and then I'm going to put this aside, let people use it to put timesheets into, and then I'm going to turn around and work on a ward, work order management, minor yeah. management system using the same tools, and then tie the two together, and then I've essentially built that. And, and will, will I have built something that would have been better served by, by tools that already exist? Mm. We've talked about this in the past, and and when you buy a piece of software, you modify your processes to match the software. Yeah. Um, and and none of the things I've looked at were close enough or inexpensive enough to do so. Um, one of them was close, but you know it would have added five dollars of cost to each work order, which was way too much. That would blow our profit out of the water. Um. Now, I apologize for invading your fun on the next project <laughs> with CTO level criticism. But what <clears throat> do you think anyone on your management team would be the better person to, uh, t- to work on this with you? I think what I think the, the right answer is I'm the one who needs to do the, the, the actual quote coding of it. But I do think that I need help in at least building it, showing it to everybody, getting feedback, and making modifications. Because um, I'm assuming what everybody is using this data for. Um, so I built this without gathering requirements, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, there's always a danger in that. Um, well, no, I mean more of... Do, if you had, it's the give a man a fish, give a person a fish, teach him how to fish thing. Like it, it's a it's a te, it's a level of knowledge of of technology, um, and, and within our company that doesn't exist to a great degree. But um, to my point earlier, is this where you need to map people on your management team to ramp up? Is this like the middle ground that, that you could teach them how to do it instead of you just do it? I know I'm ruining the fun part. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's a good question. 
Um, but that you usually, uh, as a, as an executive, you you have an idea of people's strengths and weaknesses. True, true. And 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 I know a good portion of everyone doesn't have the. I, the best way I can put it is developer mindset um, to where that they, they think through things in a certain order. And this is where that citizen developer definition falls apart a little um, is you have to have a mind in order to build something. You have to have a certain mindset of solving a problem in pieces and how those pieces all fit together. Um, and, and I don't think I, there may be one person within the team that could pick this up. And I think once that person's shown what I've done, once they have free time, that's certainly something they can dive in on and work with. Um, but it's not for everyone. It, 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 it's the same thing. If you'd asked me, well, can't you teach visual base visual, uh, you know, VBA or Excel scripts to people? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's the same thing. It's like, no, I don't trust these people to deal with the spreadsheets they, they're given so that, that they just have to fill out certain columns on. Yep. Um, so it's a fair question and, and it's the right question, but it's not something I think at this point. Yeah. So then remind me, you have this interface. It's a web-based, correct? Yeah, correct. And it's not, you, you don't put it onto, uh, you, you don't like build it into a binary that goes on iPhone or Android. It's web-based. Um, the, the interesting thing, and I'd have to dig on that further. I believe the answer is it, it, it's, it's mostly web-based. Um, but they said, here's a new feature is that you can put this, you can put your power apps into Microsoft teams and, and just real quick, Microsoft teams is kind of like Slack. That's the best way to describe it. I'm not going to go any further than that, but it's kind of like Slack, except within Microsoft teams across the top, there are tabs within each channel. So not only do you have your chat channel, but within our Microsoft Teams, I've also got a tab to our photos folder for our jobs. So people can go to that tab and just go look for photos within the jobs without having to go into a file folder to look for it. They can do it right within Teams. So what they, they've allowed here is you can put Power Apps within Teams as well. So I was like, oh, I guess that's just using the web URL. And then I looked it up. It's like, no, you download the EXE and you do this and you do that with it. And I'm like, oh. No, I don't want to do that um, because at this point, the application is undergoing too much change. Um, that there, there are too many features to add to it to where it's not to that point yet. So, what are um, at the, on the web page, the Power Apps um, homepage? What are what's the downloads for iOS and Android about? Because it looks like if you use this app sorry if it looks right. like if you, okay. if you use these apps that you can take what you've built and interface with them on a mobile experience so that's that is correct so i'm glad you looked this up it looks like you can download the power apps app and use it to drive 
the the web experience so instead of going into your safari browser or going into your your chrome browser or whatever you use on android you just go to the power apps app and it would it would have whichever apps you chose um that you have access to yeah. listed there and then you just hit it and go um that's going to work much better for the xfl thing that we are doing now like <laughs> but i think that's cool i mean it's does it matter? I mean, I, I think it's granted Apple and Google seem to want to now kill the open web in some ways. Um, I do. I think that progressive web apps and web-based interfaces are really better for, like, I hate going through the app store. It's like a dread releasing stuff through that. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense that you can build a if you are if you build if you build an interface using the standards set forth by the GUI builder, it shouldn't be that complex. You, they kind of know there's boundaries that your code will be in that doesn't make it that hard to release in a native environment. So, right. So yeah, I mean, I, to me, this seems like a I'm I'm sure Zapier and uh, if this then that is kind of like crap, but honestly, GitHub is going this way um, with they have like an app engine like process for deployments that they're letting people yep. start to use, like taking the the line by line code out of the developers' hands and um, giving people the very kind of commodity data flow code needs in a gr graphic user interface type of environment. It just makes sense. And to your point earlier, you're not going to get rid of developers. There's, there is tons of stuff we need to still do and develop in innovation and that developers can go on and you're not going to solve those problems with these interfaces. Right. So... But but what it what it may do is it may reduce the amount of work developers are doing on smaller little projects. Yeah. Um, and, and what it actually is doing because developers wouldn't end up working on those smaller little projects because they'd be deprioritized. Um, so it's it's really making sure that these things happen, even if the developers are tied up. And, and again, there's a danger there of building a shadow IT, um, but I think there's there's a way to monitor that as well. Yeah, I mean... You haven't worked in enough big companies to, to know that, the, to, to have felt the pain of shadow IT. <laughs> well, I, in a way, I had to own a Microsoft Access database that a company managing $3 billion through it with a like on in conjunction with a bank had to use so sure it wasn't a shadow it in that sense but i know i understand the pain points that it comes through but i can say that as an objective outside observer knowing the pain it causes your business can get a lot of profit out of shadow it yes agree and I mean, this is more of a talk that I would have for CTO Think, but the build versus buy scenario, 
that we keep running into, this in a way goes says, you know what, maybe we do build more often. Now that we take out yeah. this custom line by line coding, maybe build is the way we want to do it. And now I don't, what I am curious about is where your price points start to scale badly for you in the power app world. Um, you, I can see that going south, but it's just one of those. I, I think that this is the future. Sure. Strongly think this is the future. Um, and in hindsight, there's a lot of things I've built in the past that I'm like, yeah, this is commodity work. I don't know why we're building this um, without just buying an off the shelf tool. And this would actually kind of make me feel even better about, okay, we'll build it, but we're just not going to get into this world of, um, we're not going to get into the world of hand line, line by line coding, which is to right, me very we're not, costly. We're not going to throw a Ruby app or a JavaScript app together and do this. We're just going to try and do this using the power app tools. What about and testing? What about testing? <laughs> <laughs> now you lost me. Screw this whole thing. Well, is there a way to like, you can test your interface, um, through with their tools, so to speak. I haven't found a, a, a um, specific testing, right? It's more of build it, run it, see if it does what you want, and then modify it. What about so staging? Not... Um, sure. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> and the way the the re the reason I put it that way is. I can build it on, I can build it in, in, in my environment on my web page. Um, and it can be in environment one, we'll say, which is, we'll say a dev environment. And I can share it with environment two, which we can say is a, is a staging environment. And some people have access to it there. And then when it's ready to go live to production, we put it in environment three as far as um, anybody who's used the app previously will now get updates. I guess it's the best way to put it. But there's not, you know, specific testing as you would expect within development because it's not the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm sure. Could you automate it? Could you automatically test it with a, um, what are those automated testing tools that are GUI driven? Um there's one I'm thinking of. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Not yeah, Selenium. You mean like Selenium? Yes, oh, like Selenium. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'd use Cypress. Cypress is amazing. So, so I think I think something like that where where you can say, okay, go hit this thing now that it's at this URL. Go hit it and run all the automated tests. Push this drop down. Select this option. Do this thing. Yeah, that could work. That's what, um, that's what I would built in. Well, I would, I mean, next to testing, which I learned how to do late in my career, autumn, like the staging and the continuous integration was, is the second biggest thing that I kind of learned to do that made pushing to deployment so easy and safe. And, 
And I would bet, hmm, let, let's put it this way. There are, there's, there's a decent amount of people out there that are, that are power platform experts. Um, and I would say that a few of them have something built to where when you, when you do something in your dev environment, Flow will pick it up, feed it to Selenium and say, okay, what do we got here? What, what are the results? I have a feeling that people have built things like that. I just haven't seen them. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm just, that's a curiosity. I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to challenge. No, no, it's, the... it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question, which is, okay. So we, we think about how important testing is. Well, does that apply here? And the answer is we just don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Well, I think I like it. I think it's a cool topic and yeah, I, I'm more like since Balmer left, I am not scared of Microsoft and what they're trying to do. I think, um, I, you know, I just think that they are, in, they have changed their approach to how they work with the public and yeah, it made, uh, Bill Gates, tons of money the way that they ran software before, but I just like the new leadership and direction and, and sure. from the standpoint of technology, I'm not going to sure. get into the politics of some of the business stuff they do, but the, but definitely the, um, seeing what they're releasing, seeing what they're working on. I think they released a phone recently too. That I don't want to get into, but I it was like, ah, I thought I was wondering when that was going to come back. Yeah, but I I think it's Android based, which is different than what they did last time. Yeah, but so, that's so. And and I, I tell you what, I'm looking at it right now. You know what else they've done? And and iOS has this to some degree, and you'd have to tell me to what degree they have it. Is I've got an app on my screen that shows me all my text messages, that allows me to receive all my notifications, that allows me to make calls mm -hmm. from my computer, all off my phone. So I don't know what iOS can do to that effect, but that they're, they're making significant changes. I think. I mean, I'm waiting for the day when the new AI comes out and it's Clippy, and he's back. <laughs> I think they should. I think they should lean hard into Clippy. Like Clippy had so much promise, but he became the butt of jokes. But if Clippy becomes the new Skynet, like I know the new Terminator came out and tanked. So they say that that Terminator as a series is going to end. But if Clippy gets AI ability, he's coming back for revenge. And, Microsoft, and the new Microsoft will empower will power app it. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be an old man by the time Clippy gets that much smarts, but and, and when Clippy gets the smarts and the vengeance that he deserves. <laughs> All right. All right. Well what what I plan on doing is like I said, I've got a couple more things I'm gonna build and then uh, I think we'll I'll report back and, and we'll see what, what frustrations I found along the way. Sounds good. Looking forward to hearing about it. All right. Very good. We will uh, we'll talk again soon. Yep. Later. All right. 
thanks for listening to This Old App. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at www.thisoldapp.online. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. For questions, comments, or things you would like to hear on future shows, please email us at hello at thisoldapp.online. Show music is Guns Blazing by Fab Claxton, licensed by Pond5. Voiceover work by makingvoices.com. You'll hear from us soon.